0: Hello again, Literati listeners, I'm your host, Timothy Pekovic and this is Booksla, less problematically subtitled as the Hong Kong Book Club. Joining me today, I have the double honour of author Gretchen Ryan, alongside her 25-year-old son, Joey Ryan. They'll be discussing the background to her beautiful children's book, Tori's Story, published in Hong Kong by Restoration House this year, 2020. It's also wonderfully illustrated by HK artist, Keat Van. Tori's story draws on Gretchen's real life experiences, raising five, five, just thought I should repeat that, children through adoption. Gretchen is a Hong Kong social worker, a senior consultant for local charity Mother's Choice, which helps young girls in and babies of crisis pregnancies. She also co-founded Adoptive Families of Hong Kong, AFHK. Raised by Christian missionaries in Taiwan where she used to work at a local orphanage growing up, Gretchen has resided in Hong Kong for 33 years. Her book deals with one of her sons, Tori's, special needs. It's set, as explained in the back of the book, when Tori was seven years old. And through his loving family, Tori learns to overcome some of the fears and anxieties associated with his cerebral palsy, discovering that bravery, like family, can take many forms. So it's brilliantly written and illustrated and has a great moral. Not to shame you into buying, but you are a terrible person if you don't. Just like tell your kids Dory got lost in the jungle and who bears behind bars for mauling a camper. They'll thank you in the future. You can follow our Instagram page at the Hong Kong Book Club, which has provided there all the bibliographic details for Tori's story, and a link to purchase it hard copy. Or via Kindle. In the meantime, before your delivery arrives, here's the story as read by Gretchen Ryan herself.
1: There once was a boy named Tori. Tori is just like you and me, except he has to work harder to learn and do everything. As a little boy, Tori learned how to speak, tie his shoes, button his shirts, and walk with the help of his friends. He learned how to play games and have fun. He learned how to feel comforted by his mommy. But most of all, Tori learned how to be brave and strong from his daddy. One day, Tori was playing with his brothers, sisters, and friends at the beach. All the children decided to go to another beach over a big hill. Tori pulled himself on a railing to follow the other children up the hill. But at the top of the hill, Tori realized there was no more railing to hold. And he knew he couldn't balance on his legs to walk down the steep slope. What could he do? Tori thought and thought, remembering what his daddy had taught him. So Tori got down on his hands and knees and he crawled down the hill. When he finally got to the beach, Tori stood up. Tori's mommy followed the children's footsteps in the sand She wondered as she walked up the hill, where could Tori be? When she got to the other beach, she saw Tori together with the other children. Her eyes were big and filled with amazement. How did you do it? She asked her little boy. With bright eyes and a mischievous smile, Tori pulled his mom close and whispered proudly, I crawled like a lion. Timothy, are you, are you 25? I am 25. Or 24? 25. So you and Joey are the same age. Nice.
2: <laughs> How many, when's your birthday?
0: June. Can't say.
2: June? Okay, I'm older than you, actually. My birthday's February.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And so what... Well, I, I don't want to ask you too many things sort of in advance. So sh- shall we get down to um, the official business? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, let's do it. And not leaving Joey out because you are in the book. So we will get to you soon. <laughs> Initial question for Gretchen. Yeah. Why did you want to share your experiences and in this medium as a children's book?
1: Because it was a turning moment I felt in hearing the heart and spirit of my son who has a disability and realizing that he could see himself as a full a full person in every way. And I recognized it was a moment where I saw his true brave heart. I felt like it encapsulated everything, encapsulated everything about our family, which is that you can do it, that you can overcome insurmountable obstacles or challenges. And it, this happened quite a long time ago, but I, I realized I'm going to hold on to that. And one day I'm going to write it and share it because I believe it will inspire many others.
0: And Ob's children with their SpongeBob super absorbent brains especially hold on to such things. Perhaps you could tell our listeners about your experiences with your second eldest child, Tonya, where you read her the book, Tell Me Again About the Night I Was Born, because I think that episode perfectly sums up the importance of your own work.
1: Tonya, whom we adopted when she was a little baby, as a very young child is the one who really profoundly raised up that she needed to see who her birth mother's face was. She, she had that need, the universal questions of who do I look like and why was I placed for adoption? Yeah, when she was like three, when we were on a trip in the United States driving in the car, it was surprising that a child at such a young age could articulate that. But I also had some wonderful children's books that I was reading, and one of them was a book written by Jamie Lee Curtis. And Tanya wrote her story in grade three of This Is Me, and a lot of it was references to that children's book. So I realized how profound a children's book is. Those lines that can stand out and also become your mantra in life.
0: And although, as you say, they are universal questions, gauging the right moment and manner to answer those questions age appropriately must be (laughs) tricky business. So I think great children's books, like Tori's story, can be both great prompts for discussion, whilst also setting some parameters within which little ones and parents can chat about heavy topics.
1: So I remember when Joey, Joey, I don't know if you remember, I was waiting. When will be the first moment when you verbalize adoption? And it was one night and we were praying at bedtime and you said you wanted to pray for your birth mother, birth mother. And I started saying, oh, okay, let's pray for your birth mother. And then you said, no, my bus mother.
2: Yeah, you're walking up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, so ready. Okay, so I can remember another moment when Joshua was jumping out of the car, he was going to gymnastics. And just as he got out of the car, he turned around and he said, where's my biological mother? And then he took off for gymnastics. (laughs) So I just realized it's like all around and it's happening.
0: I actually really like the, um, the symmetry between those two anecdotes. Both sides being primed to discuss the topic, but neither being quite able to broach it smoothly. I know that one way the Ryan household was able to finesse such conversations was by making sure that the topic of adoption wasn't just relegated to bedtime stories.
1: So Joey, dad and I, we started having more conversations at dinner, right? Where we would raise up the topic and then everyone's at a different age, but you guys were all pretty close in age. And that gave you all the freedom to talk about anything happening at school. I would sometimes tell a story about at work at Mother's Choice, but it just gave the opportunity, if anyone wants to talk on any of these topics, this is a really safe, supportive, fun space as a family. So our dinner table at evening became a really great spot for all of us.
0: On the other hand, even when the subject of adoption is made to be something that children can raise any time without shame, and even when it's a very present topic at home, I wonder if there's still always attention. Attention for the adoptive parents between, on one hand, dropping the important pieces of information at the appropriate developmental stage, and on the other hand, that child potentially feeling betrayed at a later stage in life that they weren't given the whole mother load, as it were, at once. We had so many talks around the kitchen table. Why didn't you tell me this bit earlier?
1: I know that... Kids at a young age are so open and they'll share everything, right? There is no filter. As a parent, we are holders of precious information that we want to pass to our children. It's their story, but I am a holder of it. And I don't share it with others. It's their information. I need to share it with them when they can handle it, when it's the right time for them. If we give all of the story at an early age, they could share their whole story with a whole lot of people at school. And then when they're 12, 13 really regret that they shared so much. You know, the details of of the location in which they were found possibly or the birth history information. Kids don't have the discernment of what they can share in their circles. I can remember another conversation It was probably with Tanya and it was when we were in Discovery Bay, we were riding on the golf cart And she asked one question about adoption. And then I started to think this is the moment. And I remember starting to talk. And then I realized, oh no, I don't need to tell the whole story. I just need to address this one little piece.
0: Hmm. That's really interesting. I'd never thought of one's family tree being something to protect or reveal selectively like that, but I, I suppose the few choice facts that an adoptee may know about their birth parents could amount in a sense to that individual's only connection to their biological family. Like that one fact they've been handed on their father is their biological father, almost. That one detail is their biological mother. So, uh, just to say, we're even more humbled and honored today that Joey here has offered to share his adoption story with us. It's a real treat. You're enjoying this episode, right? You wanna hear about Joey's story? Well, you'll enjoy it even more after the delayed gratification of this advert. It's really quick. It's like quick can not to skip. Bookslah, the Hong Kong book club, is available on seven platforms. Radio Public, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and Anchor. Whichever your preferred outlet, make sure to listen, subscribe, leave a review, and most importantly, share. If Chris Evans can get past accidentally sharing a nude pic with millions of followers, you can survive the embarrassment of letting your mates know you're a bit of a book nerd. That way we can find more lovely literati listeners just like you. Thank you. So what would be Joey's story? Your life history in a podcast size synopsis? That would be
2: multiple. And I would also need some contract signings and like some percentile of proceeds. Um, let's see. Apart from Joanna, I think I was the oldest kid when, when I was adopted. Josh, my little brother and I are biologically related, and we were adopted together. I grew up in Mother's Choice up until the age of two. I would always go back and visit with my mom because we went to the Christmas parties and so on and so forth. So I knew the staff and they knew me. It was a bit hard, especially around probably age nine, age 10, a lot of questions. I never really thought about it. I thought all families were like mine, like, you know, white people as the parents, everyone else Asian. But that's not the case. That was made abundantly clear when I was in grade one. This one kid was like, hey, who are you waiting for? And I'm like, I'm waiting for my mom. And he's like, that can't be your mom because she's white and she doesn't look like you. And I'm like, well, your mom doesn't look like you either. But um, all those questions kind of came to the forefront when I was nine or 10. A lot of issues with loss and that abandonment and the pain that comes from that. Thankfully, my mom's a social worker. She knows what to say. It's not like this was a, like all of a sudden a revelation. She told me this from when I was young. But it really hit around nine or 10. I came to full acceptance by age 13 or 12. Yeah, I think my mom, especially, yeah, especially my mom and my dad, they would probably say that those were really rough years. I didn't hide it, I let it all out and shout at them, smash things. (laughs) I was mad. I was really mad. Age 9 to 10 and like onwards up until 13, 12, you're going through puberty. So like all of that attached with the fact that I didn't really fit in at that point in my school. I didn't really have many friends and the few friends I had were at church, but I would only see them basically once a week. Added with that, of feeling like alone. There's like this clip and I I almost cry every time I watch it. So I try not to. It's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Smith, and his dad comes back into his life and they're doing all these things, and then his dad just bails on him, leaving him again. It feels like that. I'm sorry, I, you know, if there was something that I- Hey, you know what? You ain't got to do nothing, no, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm gonna be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Did. Got through my first day without him? Right? Mm. I learned how to drive, I learned how to shave, I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. with him. I ain't need him then and I don't need him now. Well. well. No, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey. And I'm having me a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that. Because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids.
0: How come he don't want me, man?
2: That's pretty much how I was feeling the whole time. I was like, why didn't they want me?
1: We have to be able to be together in that pain because there isn't necessarily an answer that will
0: <clears throat>
1: satisfy the circumstances for Joey's biological family. We had some little bit of information, but not the full story. So we could only say that we somehow have a sense of great difficulties, and it was the best decision that they could make in those very difficult circumstances. What I know is that we needed to answer the question appropriate to the age, so for Joey, he was in such a place of anger and processing and vulnerable. We needed to just share a little bit of the story. And it wasn't until Joey was around age. Joey, was at 16?
2: 17 or 16, because Josh was around that age.
1: Yeah. So at that point, Joey's dad, Jeff and I knew it's time to share the whole story and all the information we have. And that was very profound. Like there was this revelation. You said, I understand now.
2: Yeah, because my little brother and I are biologically related, we were brought into my parents' room, and then they told us that our biological mother, at least, uh, was shooting up on drugs, on heroin specifically.
1: We know that Joey and Josh also had it in their systems when they were born and needed to be in the hospital.
2: They didn't know any information beyond that. They didn't know if we had older siblings, but we knew for sure we had other younger siblings. So, yeah. Yeah. I talked with Josh a little bit about it. Like my mind moves uh, decently quickly. So my natural inclination was like, okay, she was on heroin. So then it shifts to how does that affect me now? How did it affect me before? Will it affect me later? So I came to some conclusions about certain things. Number one, I wouldn't do any drugs because that might open up addictive personalities. I know that's a thing. It can be hereditary, which actually has been a point of contention with other friends I've made in the past. And then, yeah, I remember going to the dentist shortly after, and they're like, you know, your gums are really jacked up. That of a 30-plus-year-old man, you're either drinking too much. At this point, I was 17, so no, that was out of the question. Number two, you were smoking on my head on smoke. And then number three was drugs. It hurt a lot to realize that my biological mother at least couldn't break out of that. Finding out later from other people doing some root tracing and stuff. You can get sent to jail if you're
1: pregnant. Some women give birth in jail, actually.
2: But then it's like, whenever she got pregnant, they wouldn't touch her, and then she'd give birth, and then she'd disappear really quickly, and then show up pregnant again. So it was really fast, the turnover.
0: And how quickly we're a third of the way through the show. You can't turn away now, can't end on a downer. Hi, it's me again, making another inappropriate transition to an advert. Podcaster gotta eat, peeps. It's caviar that keeps these vocal cords sounding so delicious. Bookslah, the Hong Kong Book Club is available on seven platforms. Anchor Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. Whichever your preferred outlet, make sure to follow these four simple steps to feel my eternal love, whoever the hell you are. Download the app, subscribe to the Hong Kong Book Club, leave a review, and share on social media. That way we can find more lovely literati listeners just like you. Thank you.
2: Going from seventh into eighth grade, I moved schools. Those teachers Saw that I was struggling and they would stay after school or they just call me in during a recess or keep me after class just to talk it out. They suggested a few things like, hey, he should play hockey or rugby. So I ended up playing both <laughs> naturally <laughs> to let out my frustrations. I know this one teacher, she would call me in every Wednesday for like one semester. She would cook curry or some kind of baked good. And so we just talk over food and that's the easiest way to like open up.
1: I just remember there was a turning point for you where you decided I'm gonna have gratitude. Teachers told me Joey's gonna share something at the graduation, or I think it was a special ceremony.
2: They just allowed a few seniors. They just said who wants was it to chapel? Yeah, who wants to do it? And then I was just like, sure, I'll do it.
1: Oh yeah, it was chapel. So they actually told me you might want to come. I also think that's gonna be a story because cause I saw the huge transformation.
2: The teacher, name's Grant Frankie. he was talking about maybe looking at life not a woe is me. Like, you know, maybe write two or three things down that you're thankful for on that day, and then you really realize what you have. Faith is a very important part. I think it helped a lot. Definitely provided comfort where I've noticed a few of my friends who are not in faith still have a lot of pain. So, I'm currently living in the San Gabriel Valley, a little bit north of downtown LA. It's a nice area, lots of Asians, lots of Asian food, dumplings, ramen, sushi, whatever. I am pursuing my master's in teaching. This is my last semester, hopefully. I'm still writing this five chapter paper. It's really tiring. (laughs) Was substitute teaching up until when the world decided to shut down and I was helping out middle school. So we're talking like years seven, eight, and nine. I like that age group. I want to teach English. That's eventually what I want to do. A lot of teachers, especially the teachers that I worked with, they're like, you really care about them a lot and they
0: see it. Another way Joey must have found comfort was through your siblings. This is my sneaky way of tying it back to Tori, but the whole crew too. I know that Joey's biological brother, Joshua, went through a slightly smoother journey. So maybe modeling another way of feeling about things.
1: He's the one that would leave notes for me. Like if we ever went out in the evening, there would be a note when we came back on our pillow that Joshua would say, I missed you, mom and dad. Joshua is an incredible young man and gifted artist. It didn't bother me that Joshua couldn't, wasn't the one that illustrated it. Tori's story, it was when Joshua was studying at Parsons, graphic design coming into his independence. So it probably was a bit still too close, you know, to take on a project with me. But I believe we'll get to do that up ahead in the future. I would love to work with him.
0: And Joey, you also had and have an older sister called Joanna, who's quite a bit older, in fact.
2: She's 21 years older than me. That means the age age gap between the youngest and her family and the oldest is 22. So it's like 22. That's the gap.
0: So that must... Even subconsciously it provided comfort and proof that an adoptive family is as valid as a biological one because despite there being seemingly an extra barrier, age difference on top of different biological families, you've always thought of her as your big sis, even through your turmoil years.
2: I mean, it helps that she's also the shortest out of all of us. She's like four ten and a half. She does not look her age at all. Like she looks maybe maybe a few years older than us, honestly. So I'm like, you got blessed with the genes, you know. I know I can go to her and talk to her about anything. She also wants to hang out with us, so I don't see much of the age thing. It's kind of interesting too because she's just one year younger than our aunt, mom's youngest sister, and um, it's like similar almost to an extent. Like, my relationship with my aunt is very similar to my relationship with my sister.
0: But I interesting. that even having a very similar relationship to an aunt, conceptually, she's in a different bracket completely. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And so, Gretchen, similar question for you. Very much mother-daughter dynamic, or...
1: Um, it's completely like mother-daughter with the age because I would say my mom is now more and more of a friend to me, even though my mom is 84. And I realize that that's just the natural progression for all of us. We're always going to be the child for sure, but I know that I have that possibility with my adult children that they can also become my friends. I mean, they're the ones I wanna hang out with more than anyone else, and I can call them and I can process stuff with them. That is an exciting and incredible gift. So I think it's a great question. And so I say with Joanne, it's more and more of mother-daughter who have grown into also friends. Good, good, good friends.
0: And I wanna finish with Tori. I know I'm skipping over Tonya, but to be fair, time is tight and there are a lot of you. (laughs) Joey, you've just spent a summer with Tori living together in Los Angeles
2: He lived with me for six months So I was actually over in Wisconsin when the United States started shutting down And I was like, oh man, what if I can't get back to Los Angeles? And I'm going to be honest, there's only a few things you can really do in Wisconsin before it gets old All those things were shut down anyways So So I just hung out with Tori, we gamed a lot So then he jumped on a plane with me and we went back to Los Angeles together. And then I had him for six months. I think that's the longest we've lived together since he graduated from high school. So it was really fun. I was like, you know, I'm going to learn how to cook. I'm going to learn how to cook a bunch of things. He would do all the food prep. I would do all the cooking and then we'd eat it together. And then um, I'd make sure at least every other day we'd go out walking because um, I'll be honest, his weight went up a bit. So we ate pretty healthy too.
1: He definitely has challenges with mobility and also with his speech. So Tori falls, Joey, how often? He falls every day. I want to say at least, at least, if not more, like
2: 50 times a day. That's if we're walking. He like absolutely eats it. I've seen him go into gravel before and he just rolls over, pulls the pieces of stone out of his arm, gets up, dusts himself off and continue walking.
1: Tori has the most amazing, generous spirit. And Joey, including all of his siblings, are his greatest champions. Tori has truly the biggest heart and the most joyful spirit of anyone we know. Truly has overcome all the obstacles in his life.
0: And Gretchen, I know that you're hoping Tori's story will be the first in a line of books from your new publishing company, Restoration House, covering adoption issues for different developmental stages of children. Joey's story may well be next. What do you want to be the key takeaway for any readers of yours, be it for readers of Tori's story or one as yet unwritten?
1: That I recognize that my children have a set of biological family. We're going to just continue to discover together along the way and make sense of everything. I am stronger because of the unique circumstances that I have been able to walk with my family together. Our muscles are stronger.
0: Gretchen and Joey Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me. For those listeners out there who particularly enjoyed today's episode, you are in free treat. Gretchen Ryan will soon be rejoining me to talk more about Tori. There wasn't too much great material for one episode. In the meanwhile, you can enjoy reading your kids, nieces, or nephews' Tori's story. Before? Well, we hear Tori's story. Happy reading, book buddies.